Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today I have recurring guest author Deborah Gadini, but with a twist, she will be interviewing me. Like I said, Deborah Gadini has been featured on this show before. I read a couple of her stories in season one. I interviewed her in season four, and now she is interviewing me. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Deborah Gadini. Hey, so let's start off. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay, well, uh, my name's John Carlo. I'm an author from New York. I'm also a host of the Story King podcast, and also a, a digital music producer, although I don't do that as much anymore. But that's kind of what led me to do the podcast. I had this audio production history, and I'm also a writer. So podcasting uh -huh. was sort of this bridge of those two worlds. And, um, and I wanted to create a platform where I can sort of create an audience for my writings. Um, so that's what the podcast was about, but it ended up being its own thing. So now it's sort of just a something I do in, in addition to writing, though, when I do have a book, I'm able to advertise it on the podcast. But, the, you know, the podcast is its own thing at this point. Ah, okay, that's very interesting. Okay, so um, I was wanted to focus on your writing for this hmm. interview. Um, when did you first become interested in writing? I dug up this thing, this project that I had when I was in sixth grade that said, when I grow up, I wanted to be a writer. So at least at that point, I had some interest in writing. Now, growing up, mm -hmm. I wasn't writing like a lot of stories. I got, in, I got into music uh, shortly after I said I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. And, I, and there's writing involved in that with lyrics and everything. But really, I got heavily into music for like the next 20 years of my life, you know, all, all through my wow. 20s and early 30s. And, and I really didn't start getting heavy into writing until my, my early 30s. I had always had it in my head that, you know, when I got older, I was going to write. But, you know, I figured I better start writing now because it's not like I'm going to magically be this good writer if I don't start practicing. Yeah, so I started uh, writing in my early 30s uh, stories, fiction and stuff like that. And so became a music journalist, which was sort of a an easy way to for me to transition into writing so since I was so into to music so that just helped me get my sentences together and and my voice and everything like that mm -hmm. and then eventually uh, the writing became more important than the music and I started doing it more and more and the podcast is a, a recent thing as of last year but but yeah so I would say I was always interested in the arts. I was always, you know, I always wanted to do something artistic. So, you know, the first thing when I was very young, it would be like, I wanted to be an artist. You know, my grandfather was an artist. I wanted to be an artist. And, uh, and then I wanted to be a writer. And then I got into music and then back to writing. Oh, so it's interesting. When you were younger and you first, uh, you know, wanted to be a writer, did you picture yourself writing novels? That's a good question. I mean, I don't really remember uh, what I exa what exactly mm -hmm. I pictured as far as what kind of a writer. I would imagine, yeah, some type of uh, writer of books. I, I don't know exactly uh, what I was. I, I was always interested in science fiction, fantasy, and stuff like that. So I know I always that was always what I what I was interested in um, artistically. Even when I drew pictures, it was always these fantasy and and sci-fi uh, images so i was always interested in in that world 
did you read a lot when you were younger? Uh, not so much in elementary school. You know, I mean, I, I did read all the important books they gave us to read in high school, Catcher in the Rye, A Separate Piece, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, all those things. But um, I didn't get heavily into reading books on my own again really until my 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 30s so like i said i was reading books like in my 20s but then i started going hardcore with, with reading in my 30s so the writing and the reading sort of came together in my 30s uh, okay well who would you say that your biggest influences are on your writing you know somebody asked me this before and Basically, if I could pick like three writers that I could be like a chimera of, I, I always say uh, Kurt Vonnegut for just his humor and wit and his imagination, uh, C.S. Lewis for his theology, and Ray Bradbury for his humanity. So th those are my three favorite authors. And also, I'm a big fan of Italo Calvino. He's this Italian fabulist. Mm -hmm also kind of like in the realm of magical realism. So he, he's another big favorite of mine as well. I see you as a short story writer of mostly dystopian and futuristic themes. Is that fair to say? Um, definitely mostly a short story writer, also novella. Um, as far as dystopian, I'm definitely interested in, in that genre. George Orwell's 1984, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, uh, The Giver, um, for modern dystopians and um, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. So I love all that stuff. As mm -hmm. far as me primarily writing that, I, I definitely have a handful of dystopian tales, but, uh, but I don't know if I would call myself primarily a dystopian writer. You know, dystopian stories tend to uh, not end well. So I don't like all my stories not ending well, but I do definitely have That's a... True. Yeah, I, I do definitely have a, a good amount of stories in there, but I wouldn't consider myself primarily uh, dystopian. Oh, well, how do you see yourself and what kind of writer? Definitely uh, interested in the surreal. I write about metaphysical things. Um, I guess I would classify me as fantasy, uh, magical mm -hmm. realism, surreal, things that really aren't possible to take place in the world as, as we know it. And, um, mm -hmm. and I like to put a little parabolic twist to it generally. So, yeah, so I would yes. definitely put it in. in yeah, the there's a lot of surrealism, a lot of symbolism in your writing. Is this intentional? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in symbolism. A lot of writers try to shy away from it, but I love what you can do with symbolism. You know how things can represent other things. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. it's a nice way to communicate without being overt in, in your writing, you know? So I, I'm really big on symbolism, absolutely. Yeah, because symbolism too, it, it helps bring across universal themes, which is when, you know, your work is very personal, yet it has to be universal. And symbolism is just a beautiful vehicle to do that. I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how I see it too, that, that you know, you're going to write from this personal level, whatever is important to you, a, a certain theme or whatever. But symbolism is going to, like you said, make it this universal thing to apply to as many people as possible. You know, like you had uh, in your own story, what was it? The, was it like the something, the horn? I forgot what it was, like where they're like making announcements in the village or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of that? Do you, do you remember? 
<laughs> it's your story, Deborah. <laughs> I was going to say a bullhorn, but I don't actually. Um, right. It was something like that. I'm blanking. But... I'm blanking. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's... <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but you have this story that to me, when I read it, I was like, oh, this is totally about Facebook. And I don't even yeah. know if that's what you what you intentionally made it. But I saw the symbolism there that I was immediately able to relate it to social media of any kind, you know, where people yeah. are just getting on social media and just saying the most arbitrary things or complaining or whatever. And you did it in the form of this oh. village that uh, doesn't seem to take place now, but it was totally relatable. So I like doing the same similar things like that, you know, just like, like taking uh, I'm writing a story right now called wheels. I'm going to post it on Instagram. Um, at the end of the week. And basically the story is going to kind of talk about how we're all kind of like running in these hamster wheels, trying to like produce and we can't get out of it, you know, and it's sort of it. So you're going to see little things that kind of represent social media and the internet and, and basically running in circles and getting nowhere. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of literalizing the idea of a hamster wheel, but for humans. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really big on symbolism. Yeah. So, so that's definitely intentional. Oh, excellent. Okay. And so you're a husband and a father and you've been homeschooling your children for a long time. Now, mm -hmm. do you actively try to promote creativity in your children? I would say, you know, my oldest son, he's more of a, he wants to be an entrepreneur when he's mm -hmm. older. So his mind is more like engineering and, and that type of thing and, and business minded. My other two sons um, are definitely have like the, the artist spirit in them. So it's not really something I have to actively do. They're, they're always drawing. All three of them are always drawing. Uh, my middle son is always telling, uh, writing stories and screenplays and for, for plays and stuff. Uh -huh so forth and my youngest son's always drawing as well so they're all in they're all interested in in their own various forms of the art sometimes i'll give them writing prompts uh, i haven't done that in a while but uh but i would give them writing prompts and then have them write stories and everything so uh but it's generally not something i have to actively promote they're they're all kind of have their own interests there uh, what themes and issues would you say motivate you the most in your writing? I know you covered a little bit of this with mm -hmm. what we were talking about the dystopian writers, but um, what motivates you the most? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I'd write parables for a reason, you know, like I guess what I'm most interested in is issues of the soul, you know, so whether mm -hmm. you're religious or not, you know, I'm, I'm interested in matters of the soul, matters of the heart and the mind, you know, so a, a guilty conscience, greed. These are all things that, that people can relate to and people struggle with. And so I like writing about stories that deal with things that we can all uh, relate to. And, and I, I call them issues of the soul, but I would say that's my primary focus, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, that's very classic. I mean... Those I types think, of things. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think so. And that's I like, even the idea of a parable is a very classic idea. It's been around for thousands of years, you know, in various forms, too, you know. So whether it's a uh, uh, parable, religious parables, or um, folk tales, or fairy tales, myths, they all kind of have these par parable, uh, parabolic qualities to them. So I, I'm definitely interested in that realm of, of writing, you know. Yeah, um, in your book, 
uh, Darren Deleuze and the Devil. Mm-hmm. You had this brilliant plot of a man who had sold his soul to the devil and then went into hell to try and retrieve it, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I thought was such a brilliant, um, unique concept. Um, where did this concept come from? Well, uh, and not inventing the wheel on the idea of somebody selling their soul to the devil. That's a very classic uh, idea that's been around for a very long time. Even there's a story in the New Testament where the devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he bows down and worships him. So that, that's been, and you'll see Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, I remember the black and white ones. There was an episode about a guy, you know, selling his soul to the devil. But as far as uh, going back, to, going to, down to hell to try to retrieve his soul, that's where I tried to put my own spin on it. As far as I know, I haven't read any stories where the guy actually goes down to hell to try to retrieve his soul so his or her soul so so that was my own twist on a what i would consider to be a pretty major and classic archetype you know so Uh what was the question did you ask where i came up with the idea yeah yeah how did it (laughs) where did the concept come from uh yeah so the concept i did you know one day i just came up with the idea of uh, i you know i wanted to write a soul uh, i wanted to write a story about a guy who sells his soul for fame and fortune to the devil and then um you know and then would the idea came that like well how does he get his soul back because i'm not going to leave it there where he just sells a soul and it's it's uh and it's done you know I, i wanted to try to get his soul back so i don't really know exactly what sparked the interest one day i was working on a story that was not working i was working on a book and i was working on it for like three months and it just wasn't working wasn't working wasn't working and then all of a sudden i just decided you know what let me just turn off all social media for a month and i was kind of doing a social media internet fast for that month (laughs) and and as soon as I did that, like the whole idea for Darren Deleuze and the Devil came to me in this swift, uh, you know, move of inspiration. So I just rolled with it and and it kind of wrote itself pretty quickly, you know, at least the first draft. And then then you have to agonize over all the the following drafts after that. That's interesting. That's very interesting. It's it's amazing where co- where creative concepts come from. And like you're describing, sometimes you really have to get away and have to have the quiet in order to, you know, get all those screens out of the way so you can get creative inspiration. Yeah, there's definitely something that causes a deep creative block with all the, the gadgets and stuff that if you decide, you know what, I'm going to stay away from that for a while, you'd be amazed like how much creativity comes flooding back to your brain like it's occupying so much real estate in all of our minds <laughs> you know, so. oh yeah that's a good that's a great line too <laughs> right one of your new stories <laughs> yeah. okay you're you, i wanted to go into your book covers okay um now darren deleuze and the devil has this it's very simple almost like keyhole look at darren the artist the protagonist of the story painting it as easel Mm-hmm. And this dark ghost-like shadow surrounding him in a circle and reaching out maliciously toward him. Mm-hmm. Kane's confession has, again, it's simple and sh- a shadowy drawing of the protagonist clinging to a person in a parachute. And those who read the book uh, will know that the scene, what scene this, this drawing refers to. Now, is it a theme for you? Is it something that you always want to choose sort of one scene out of your books or how do you go about choosing what's symbolic enough to be on the cover of your story? Right. So, well, I'll take you one book at a time. So for Darren Deleuze and the Devil, I wanted to basically have an image of him 
at his purest state. And that's him painting with his beloved parrot on his shoulder. And he's mm-hmm. painting a portrait of this parrot, which as you know, in the book, that's what he likes. That's what he primarily paints. And, and then the surrounding was all the, the forces of evil, you know, reaching out for him. And I wanted this white background just to symbolize the, the purity of him in his pure state. So here he is in his pure form, but he's surrounded by evil at mm-hmm. the same time. So, so I didn't uh, draw it myself, but I, I would hire an artist on, um, I used a couple of uh, resources. Uh, there's one site called Sketchbang that they drew the initial concept of Darren Deleuze and the parrot and, and the easel. And, uh, mm-hmm. and well, actually they drew the whole thing. And then I went to Fiverr, which is this other resource for freelancers to, to design the whole book cover. So I, I, I employed a couple of uh, freelancers to do this, but I would tell them exactly what I want because I don't consider myself the best artist. I don't, I'm not able to draw that well, but I would kind of design it for them and give them a little sketch. And then they would come up with different iterations like and i would say no how about like this or whatever so it's this collaborative Mm -hmm. effort um and then the same thing with kane's confession i had somebody on again fiverr to uh to design the cover and i and i told them uh what i wanted and yeah again i had that again it had to do with the the purity of the character right if if you recall that one scene is where he felt the freest in kane's confession you know so there's a there's a parachute scene there so Mm -hmm. And as far as it being, I, I like outside of the initial idea of the cover, I like it to be pretty minimalist. So that that's why you only see like one thing. It's not like uh, completely cluttered. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it would get too expensive for me to keep telling the artist to add this, add that. And then if I don't like it... Uh-huh you know, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a problem and then I'm just wasting all this money. So I try to keep it real simple to just get the message across. And that's kind of how I design the, the covers and have the artists, uh, you know, draw them out. Yeah, I find minimalism a lot more powerful than, to, you know, too, too much busyness. You can get distracted with the busyness. Right, I, I think so. I mean, I, I have ideas for other covers in the future of books that I'm working on that, that might be a little more detailed. But but I do like having a, like a minimalist concept and then, you know, so that you can really focus on the picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Now, do you have a sort of a dream story or a theme or issue that you would love to tackle in one of your books? That's a good question. You know, I'm working on a nonfiction work called A Hundred Things to Tell My Sons. And it's basically just essays on life themes, uh, faith, just all sorts of different uh, tools to, to live by for, for, their li- for the rest of their lives, really. You know, so sort of a, a f- father's wisdom for their kids. So that's like my dream book that I'm working on. I've got one entry so far so 99 more to go <laughs> you know one one step at a time though right so but that's sort of yeah my and the beginnings are hardest anyway right so that that's my and i'm trying to you know kind of lump it into maybe 10 major themes and then i write 10 entries per theme and that's where I, how i get to my hundred so that that's sort of how i'm trying to structure it but it's not working out exactly like that but but um, I would say that that's my main, a main project. But I also have, um, I'm going to release a collection of short stories by the end of the winter and, uh, or 
maybe by the end of this year, we'll see. But uh, but definitely by the winter sometime, um, it's going to be 50 stories. And that's going to be, I want to be volume one, and then I'll do volume two. So it's a, a total of 100 stories. I would love to be able to write a, you know, a, a great American novel that doesn't have any fantasy or anything like that. So, uh, but we'll see. I think I'm a couple of years away from that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's really great. Thanks. Um, your, 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 especially your collection of short stories is really something to look forward to. That's almost done. Yeah. So you don't have to wait too long for that. I, I think, yeah, about another month and I should have all the stories and then I kind of have to, you know, edit them and, and uh, just make sure they're, they're up to snuff and then get going with the, with the actual uh, release of the book. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. Now, um, what do you do you actually have some sort of a hope that of something your readers would take away from your books what do you hope that they after they put the book down what would you like them to be thinking well i guess a couple of things first and foremost it is art i do want them to be entertained by the stories but i also want them to be moved Mm -hmm. and enlightened i want them to be able to you know take something that they can apply in their personal lives I want it to be something worth sharing with others. So I, I guess I just want to make quality stories that people will, will remember and feel worth remembering. Excellent. Well, I think you're well on your way to doing that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I hope so. No, do you have any advice that you would give to aspiring authors? So for aspiring authors, you know, the first, we're in such a, we're living in such a day and age where everybody wants to be, you know, famous. And they want to get there quick because of social media and this and that. The first thing I would do if you're an aspiring author is just get good at writing first and foremost. You know, it, it takes, I would say, about anywhere from five to 10 years, really 10 years. I just don't want to scare anybody off by saying that. <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, because 10 years is a long time. But, you know, if you're really diligent and you're really, and this is something that's really important to you, start devouring books on writing, um, start, you know, watching interviews, interviews of writers, start reading the kinds of uh, books that you want to write. You know, I know that I've heard of writers as that of uh, like Hunter S. Thompson and, and another writer, they actually took a favorite book of theirs and copied it entirely just to see what it felt like to write a masterpiece. So that's some next level practice right there. Oh. Yeah, you know, just taking a yes. favorite book of yours and just copying it word for word just to see what it feels like to write something like that. And uh, I've never done that, but I, I've always wanted to. So, but the, the point is, you know, practice makes perfect. I know that's a cliche, but it's, it's 100% true. And you really got to dig in. And before you ever think about putting your work out there, um, really dig in and hone your craft and become a master at what you do. And if you have an idea of what kind of writing you want to do because, uh, you know, you like a specific kind of genre, you know, really become a connoisseur of that genre, you know, read books in that area and, uh, and figure out how, it, how other people do it so that you can kind of develop your own voice. So that's first and foremost for aspiring writers that, you know, worry about your own voice and, and developing your, your talent and give yourself enough time to do that. 
you know, if you're older, if you're not, you don't have 10 years to, <laughs> to, to get good, um, you can work with an editor, you know, so start writing and then work with the, an editor and, and, and really listen to the feedback, you know, get somebody who's really good at, at editing books and who can tell you, you know, you, you need to work on this or this doesn't make sense the way you did this. Um, but, you know, you got to master the mechanics of the language you're writing in. And, um, and then you got to write every day. So that would be my second piece of advice is to, to develop uh, a daily practice. You know, you don't have to be crazy about it. You know, everybody's going to miss a day here and there, but you got to be consistent. You know, even if it's just, I only have 20 minutes today, write for 20 minutes, put a timer on and then write furiously for that 20 minutes, you know, so be consistent because that's where you're going to, to get good and have deliberate practice too. So if you're, if you're really good at dialogue, but you stink at description, which is my, where I find myself very often, I, uh, you know, will practice just writing descriptions just as an exercise, you know, so, you know, practice what you're weak at, see how, people who are good at that weakness, uh, how they do it. And um, so th those would be my two basic things and they go hand in hand. So just worry about um, becoming a good writer to begin with, practice and be consistent about your writing. Okay, that's very practical and inspirational advice. Oh, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not gonna happen through osmosis, you know, you, you have to really put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one of the main, the main uh, lessons <laughs> that you learn from being a writer. Right. I know. I think I think we covered we covered the basics, and um, it's it's very informative and, and enjoyable. And thank you so much for allowing me to interview the interviewer. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on my show. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I would. I would uh, encourage people to go to Amazon and get uh, Giancarlo Gudini's books and hopefully uh, start following you as well so you know when his new books are coming out. Well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. I'll make sure to, I put, to put my own links in the show notes there. So. <laughs> and I'll Please put, do. <laughs> I'll put your links in there as well. So if for, for the listeners who don't know, Deborah is my cousin. That's why we share the same last name if that's... Uh, if you're wondering about that, so. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's an unusual name. <laughs> right. Gadini. Yeah. So, but we'll have both of our links up there in the show notes for, for listeners to buy our books. But thank you so much for, for doing this, though. I really appreciate it, Deborah. Okay. Thank you. Have a great, great night. All right. You as well. So that was my interview with Deborah Gadini. I hope you enjoyed it. I encourage you to buy her books. I'll include her Amazon page in the show notes. Now, if any of you listeners out there write a story and would like the chance for it to be read on the show, or if you're a writer that wants to be interviewed for the show, I want to hear from you. Please email me at storykingpodcast at gmail.com. Include your name, where you're from, and what kind of writing you do. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. You can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You can choose a monthly membership tier at patreon.com forward slash the storyking. 
All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or the medium of your choice. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. Please join us next time. Until then. Until then.